Thanks so much for joining us for the New Life for Abena podcast. New Life Church is one family, many churches, and we exist to simply see more people more like Jesus by planting and leading thriving local churches. For the last two years, we've been journeying through Genesis as a community, delving into the origin stories and histories of our faith. In this series of Genesis, we step into the patriarchal families of Abraham and continue to see how both the promise of God is fulfilled, but also the brokenness of man. Ultimately, we see that even though we are the great promise breakers, he is the great promise keeper. We pray that this message is a blessing. Why don't we pray? It's a pretty big topic to cover this morning, and I would love us to just be really aware of the presence of God, the Holy Spirit, to lead us through this message. So Lord Jesus, I thank You that this would be Your words and not my own. And God, I don't do that through any kind of spiritual manipulation. I honestly mean that. I pray that the truths of Your of your Word, Your Gospel, the authority of Your Scripture would be what stands true in our hearts as we leave church this morning, as we go about our, uh, our days and um, pursue reconciliation with our families. Lord, I ask that by your spirit, you would give us the strength and the courage to face what lays in front of us today. We invite you here today. We become aware of your presence, Lord God. We honour you. In your name we pray. Amen. So I have the privilege of closing our six-week series as we close the book of Genesis together over the last three years. And today I'm speaking about the call of forgiveness. And I couldn't begin a sermon on forgiveness without telling you a story from a group of some of the most incredible people I was so privileged to meet. About three years ago, I was travelling as a part of my previous role working with Open Doors who serve persecuted Christians, places where it's illegal or very dangerous to follow Jesus. And we were in uh, the centre of Egypt in a little region called El Minya. And if you see in this photo here, It's spectacularly beautiful. Everywhere the Nile touches is iridescent green and beyond that is, uh, you know, stark desert. It's quite a profound landscape. Uh, But the reason I was in El Minya is I was meeting with some people. Three years prior, their husbands, uh, you may remember this horrific moment in history, their husbands were abducted by ISIS. And they were in Libya, working in a foreign country along the coastline of Libya. And ISIS abducted these Christian men. They dressed them in orange jumpsuits. And they actually filmed uh, this moment as a message to the global Christian church. They entitled the video, A Message Written in Blood to the Nation of the Cross. And what they did was they publicly executed these men on video. As a, as a means of inspiring fear and hatred throughout the Christian church. And I had this immense honour, I, I weigh it so heavily, of sitting and having a meal and sharing the stories with those men's wives and their children. It'll never leave me that moment. We actually watched that video together. I hadn't had the courage to watch it before that moment, but it was almost like a moment of shared grief community building that we sat through and we watched that moment together and they were still raw with the grief of the moment, weeping in anguish as they watched this horrific moment of their husbands and of their fathers. But the reason I tell that story today is I want you to know what those women have now given their lives to. Instead of living full of resentment, fear, hatred, many of us would probably understand why they chose to live a life like that. They have given their lives to teach young Muslim children to read and write. 
Is that not one of the most profound things you've ever heard? Instead, they could say, I will never speak to a Muslim again. That ideology saw my husband killed. They said, no, we're going to do whatever we can to bless those who curse us, lift them out of poverty, teach them to read and write, give these kids a better future. And I tell you what, after leaving that place, every time I think on forgiveness and I think of the things that I will go through, such a minor infraction of my public space will cause me to rise up in unforgiveness against people. And that's what I had to say early. I don't want to stand here and preach down to you today. This journey of forgiveness is absolutely a journey that I am on every day of my life. I actually said to Michael, our lead minister, do you ever have those moments where you feel completely unqualified to preach on a topic? And he said, yeah, pretty much every time. (laughs) But this is my thing today. How often do we carry unforgiveness in our hearts? That's why I need the Holy Spirit as much as you to be empowered to live a life, to push through and ask God to help me forgive those who have wronged me. But going back to Joseph's story, I just wanted to give us a little summary to get us back on track. Joseph, prior to now, we saw he was the 11th son of Jacob. Now remember, he was an only child to the wife, the woman who Jacob loved. Uh, and that was a, it's an important note. So he was sort of uh, highly favoured by his father. It created jealousy among his brothers. He had this ability to, uh, to have dreams and he kind of was a little bit cocky in the way he went about that. And it produced uh, some immense jealousy. His brothers then sell him into slavery and they tell their father that he was killed by a wild animal. Remember, these young men are now carrying the weight of guilt that they have left this young man to be sold into slavery, possibly to die. Uh, Joseph then becomes Potiphar's trusted servant, uh, an Egyptian leader. Uh, But he's falsely accused and he's thrown into prison. Now that's where Michael left off from two weeks ago. And we had a guest speaker last week, but Anna filled in the gap last Sunday night. And again, on our YouTube channel, shameless plug, uh, you can see all of our messages. And we've actually put Anna's message up there as a bonus from Sunday night to help fill that little gap in the middle. And Anna spoke beautifully about suffering and the way God is forming us even through our suffering. So Joseph goes through this immense time in prison. Uh, He interprets the dreams of two prisoners in jail and later he interprets Pharaoh's dream. This brings us full circle where he ends up becoming second in command over all of Egypt. He becomes the hero. He saves the country from famine. Now, meanwhile, the brothers in a distant land in Israel are also enduring the same famine, which leads us to this point of our journey. And we're going to read together in Genesis 42. I'm covering a lot of Scripture today. So I would deeply encourage you, go away and do your own research. Maybe there's a moment that stands out to you today and you don't quite understand. Maybe there's a moment you disagree with. That's absolutely fine. I would welcome that. You'll see there's moments where I'll tell you I'm even quite unsure about what this means. Let's go and explore the Scripture together. Genesis 42, 1 to 3. When Jacob learned that there was grain for sale in Egypt, he said what most dads might say when their sons aren't being particularly productive. Why do you just keep looking at each other? I joked in the 8am, reminds me of Jude playing Fortnite on the couch. (laughs) Uh, The kitchen's dirty. Why are you just looking at each other? Uh, Why do you just keep looking at each other? He continued, I have heard that there's grain for sale in Egypt. 
Go down there and buy some for us that we may live and not die. Then 10, it's an important number, 10 of Joseph's brothers went down to buy grain from Egypt. Remember, there was 12 of them. One is Joseph who's missing and the other child, Benjamin, is left behind. It's important because Benjamin shares the mother of Joseph. Just keep that in the back of your mind. Genesis 42 continues in verses six to seven. Now Joseph was the governor of the land, the person who sold grain to all its people. The tables have turned. So now when Joseph's brothers arrived, they bowed down to him with their faces to the ground. As soon as Joseph saw his brothers, he recognised them, but he pretended to be a stranger and he spoke harshly to them. Where do you come from? He asked. From the land of Canaan, they replied, to buy food. Genesis 42, 21 continues. We'll jump a few verses. They said to one another, surely we are being punished because of our brother. We saw how distressed he was when he pleaded with us for his life, but we would not listen. That's why this distress has come upon us. Now note here, Joseph knows who the brothers are, but the brothers haven't yet identified him. But something has happened in both of their lives while they've been apart for this whole time. And I believe that first journey for the brothers leads us to an important step in the path towards forgiveness. The first of all is recognition of guilt. Now, this is an important note and I need to pause here. As I talk about forgiveness today, my heart is always heavy, particularly for people who are enduring domestic violence. And I would hate for today's message. I know there are people online who join us regularly who are in situations of domestic violence. That's the reason they can't go to church. I would hate for today's message to become another weapon where people can just say, oh, you should forgive. Or a weapon that you put upon yourself and you say, maybe it's me, maybe I'm the victim, maybe I should forgive more. Those are complex situations. I'm not speaking to that as much today, but what I would say is get some help. We would love to help you. We have tools and resources. Uh, even throughout the week, you can contact our office. I'm so privileged to work with some of the sharpest minds in this space in domestic violence care and prevention, particularly on the Gold Coast, but online, we would love to resource you as well. So please don't do that as I speak across this message today. But the first thing you can note here is the recognition of guilt. The brothers' guilty consciousnesses are evident in their fear and trembling when they go to Egypt seeking food. So in their mind, they're thinking, wait a minute, the, the reason we're even under this famine, maybe the reason this wrong has come upon our household is because of the way we caused Joseph to suffer way back then. You can see that in verse 21 again, when they said to one another, in truth, we are guilty concerning our brother in that we saw the distress of his soul when he begged us and we didn't listen. That's why this distress has come upon us. It's the first step is the recognition that all of us bring something to a conflict. That might grate upon some of you. You might be sitting here today thinking of all of the ways that person has wronged you. I'll tell later on in my message as I come to a close of a moment of my own uh, restoration of a relationship. And that was the key for me was that I was so blind to my own contribution to the conflict that I didn't think I had to do anything about it. First of all, we've got to confront our own guilt. Second of all, a confrontation with sin. 
The brothers' encounter with Joseph in Egypt was a confrontation of their own sinful nature. The fact that all of us have fallen short of the glory of God. And we know that Paul encourages the church in the book of Romans. He gives us the positive first in verse 22, Romans 6.22. But now that you've been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness and the result is eternal life. Wow. Thanks, Paul. That's great news. But... The wages of sin is death. If we don't deal with our sin, the result is death. If you're one of those people who have come to church this morning for the first time, that's a pretty confronting message to hear. But it's not your sin that I'm talking about as much. It's my sin. The result of my sin, my wrongdoing, my failures, and they are many. The result of my sin is death until I bring it to Jesus, the Lord and Saviour of my life. I believe those two things are important for us to get to that step of genuine repentance. First of all, the recognition of our guilt. Second of all, confrontation with sin. And finally, genuine repentance. The brothers' actions in Genesis 42 to 43 show us that they were genuinely remorseful for what they'd done to Joseph. They were willing to suffer uh, in Egypt as a consequence of what they'd done. This genuine remorse was crucial for them to be transformed. What does it mean for us though? Acts 3.19, I love this. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. And again, we have a vision as a church to be a movement of renewal. Listen here, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. That's all we need to do, repent. Turn from our wicked ways. Sounds quite easy when you put it like that, doesn't it? Only by the Holy Spirit. We can't do this on our own. We need the gift of God to come and free us from our sin. Toza is a theologian. He says it like this. It's beautiful. True repentance is not merely regret for the past. It's a renunciation of sin and a turning away from it to God. Later on this morning, I'm going to give all of us the opportunity to return to God. Maybe you're joining us online. You might have seen an ad to join us at live.church.nu. And here you are thinking, what the heck am I watching wherever I am in the world? I'd say to you, there's hope. Regardless of what you've gone through in your life, there's hope for you that God can relieve you from your sin. If you repent and turn, He has a plan and a purpose for your life. This leads me to my second broad thought today. But what does it mean to truly forgive? We've seen one side of the story in the brothers, but now for Joseph. Here he is. Think about that decades of torment and slavery and jail. Now he's in the superior position. He can lord it over them and he has an opportunity to forgive. Let's read together and see what Joseph does. First of all, he shows what I would say is the first ingredient to truly forgive is compassion. This might come easily to some of you. It might come harder to others. I don't know if there's any feelers in the room. I'm the one that always cries. Anyone seen the Disney Pixar movie Inside Out? I bawled like a baby. So embarrassing. Actually, all Pixar movies do that to me. Coco, oh my goodness. That was a real side note that had nothing to do with this thought. Compassion. 
Joseph here shows compassion towards his brothers, despite the harm they had caused him in the past. We see here seven times in the rest of this story, Joseph weeps over his brothers, over his father, over his restoration with his younger brother. Have a look here, Genesis 42, 24, Joseph wept when he heard his brothers discussing their guilt. Joseph wept when he saw his brother Benjamin. Joseph revealed his identity to his brothers and he wept loudly. Joseph wept again when he embraced Benjamin. Joseph wept when he was reunited with his father. Joseph wept when his father Jacob died. Joseph wept when his brothers sent him a message. We can see here this beautiful tenderness in Joseph's story. I went through a period of time, maybe 10 years ago, wrestling with deep depression. And it was so deep, I don't know if anyone empathises with this, but I had lost the ability to even feel my own emotions. I was so numb. That's actually, I found more terrifying than this sense of sadness. Probably about three years I hadn't cried. And I just remember the sense of relief when I was finally able to get back in touch with that side of my emotions. And maybe that's how some of you have come to church today. Maybe you're so numb. Maybe you're so caught up in bitterness and resentment. People have wronged you and hurt you. I don't want to minimise that, but I want to offer you the opportunity to see healing in your life today. You don't need to carry that burden anymore. You can be like Joseph and you can weep over your lost relationships. You can desire them to be restored. Second ingredient I believe that's important to forgiveness is reconciliation. And you can see that Joseph's forgiveness through his compassion leads to a powerful moment of reconciliation between him and his brothers. Like I said, he could have lorded over them, but instead, let's read in Genesis 45 verse four. Then Joseph said to his brothers, come near to me, please. Isn't that beautiful? Come near to me, please. All I want is to be near to you. And maybe your minds are wrestling right now. Maybe you've got a loved one who you are so desperate to be near to. Come near to me, please. We would love to join with you in prayer. We'd love to partner with you online in prayer that you'd be able to say, come near to me, please, again to those who you love, but you have a fractured and broken relationship with. This verse shows Joseph revealing his true identity as well, because it goes on, and they came near, and he said, I am your brother Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. Amazing. Instead of being full of hatred and remorse towards them, he reveals his identity, he steps down from his throne, if you will, and he says, come near to me, I'm your brother. I did wanna pause here, and I have a side note that you might want to study, I actually have called it a bonus study in Genesis 44. That might be for those who want some extra points. Nope, that is not how the kingdom of God works. <laughs> I regret saying that immediately. <laughs> Maybe in your small groups this week, you might want to do your own journey into this because I found it fascinating. I was driving along with Steph as I started talking through this message, my wife. And uh, she said, yeah, but what's with the silver cup? And so in this passage in Genesis 44, we see this moment where the brothers come, but they left. Remember 10 brothers and they left Benjamin back home. 
And what, they, what Joseph does is he puts a, a very valuable object, this silver goblet, into one of their grains of wheat as he sends them back home. And he waits. Uh, this is the second time when Benjamin has come back. Benjamin's now with them and he plants the goblet into Benjamin's grain of wheat because here he is thinking, wait a minute, Benjamin's a lot like me. Maybe they're going to do the same thing to him. So Joseph has seen forgiveness uh, he's extending his forgiveness to them, but he's got this little kind of trust clause attached. Wait a minute. I'm going to try these guys out and see have they really changed. Now I put it to you. Is he faltering in his forgiveness? Is he being wise? I'm leaning towards option two at the moment. And he's saying, you know what? Forgiveness doesn't necessarily mean instantaneous trust. That might be a key for some of us. I'm not saying you go on continuing to re-enter into your abusive relationships. You set boundaries, you have wisdom. Um, I'm going to leave that to you to decide. But this amazing moment happens. He puts the, the goblet in the bag. He sends his, uh, Joseph sends his people to go and find the gauntlet. It means that Benjamin is going to be thrown into prison uh, in Egypt. Joseph's wondering, are the brothers going to do the same thing they did to me all those years ago? But Jacob uh, comes, uh, Judah comes and he pleads on behalf of the brother. And we can see there that Judah has changed. In all of that time of remorse and resentment, he's willing to say, no, we're not going to leave with that, Benjamin. Lock us all up if you need to. And it's this beautiful moment where the trust clause proved that they had changed. It's a really powerful, significant moment. Feel free to go and do your own study. Let me know if you decide I'm wrong, because <laughs> I probably am. <laughs> the final part of forgiveness that I can see here is to be able to trust in God's plan. And we see it the whole way through the way Joseph describes through his suffering as Anna preaches. He learns that God is still sovereign. In Genesis 45, verse 5, Joseph says to his brothers, Now don't be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. Now this is going to go and wig out some of our theological brains. For God sent me before you to preserve life. Go and ask the question, why do bad things happen to good people? Run it through the grid of that verse. Things get a little bit murky. But it says there, either way, what it shows is that Joseph is fine to say, you know what, don't worry about it, God's in control. Seems a little bit oversimplified, but I think a man like that who has endured a life of that degree of suffering has got something to share on the topic. In Genesis 50 and verse 20, he says it in a really beautiful, profound way. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring about it that many people should be kept, kept alive as they are today. Earlier in the service, Steph, as she was leading worship, mentioned that today is Palm Sunday. And you think of the contrary motion there, Jesus coming into Jerusalem, people saying, Hosanna, we need, a, we need a king, we love you, we welcome you in. But like a lamb led towards the slaughter, the Bible describes it. For the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. And one man died that many would have access into the kingdom of God. I see an echo of that here in this verse. God meant it for good. What the enemy meant for evil, God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive. So you can see in these two verses, Joseph's trust in God's plan 
transcends his inability to forgive. Maybe there are some of you today, you've made terrible decisions, but you can see here, you know what? And I believe it, I can see it right over my life's journey. We sold an investment property in 2020. Great call. It's only worth two times what it was then. Like, but what, what a useless way to live our life looking back in regret. Trust in God's plan. Even in my stupidity, even in my sin, I, don't, I can't grasp that in my little mind, that even in my sin, God has a plan for my life. I believe that for you today. Trust in God's plan. What does it mean for us? Paul writes to the church in Colossians, he says in Colossians 3.13, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. He again writes to the church in Ephesus in Ephesians 4.32, he says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. Jesus takes this a step further. In Luke 6.37, in a fairly profound, specific way, he says, don't judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. However, forgive and you will be forgiven. Today, I believe there's a call for all of us to respond to this message of forgiveness. Who do we need to extend the grace of forgiveness to today? I love this quote by C.S. Lewis. He says, to be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. Isn't that beautiful? We can love because God first loved us. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, another theologian says this, in the presence of Christ, we must learn to forgive every enemy and to pray for him so that our own hearts may be pure. We must pray for our enemies' forgiveness and reconciliation so that we may be reconciled with them. Another profound quote. I pray that these words would resonate deep in your heart today. But I wanna go a step further and make it personal. I'd love you to invite the Holy Spirit to just bring those people to your mind. You know, in the Christian witness, we don't really have the luxury of being the second one to respond in a conflict. If you've wronged someone, you go to them. If someone's wronged you, you go to them. <laughs> it's the unfortunate part of the journey that as a believer, that's our responsibility in conflict is to take the first step. So maybe as we continue, keep asking God, who do I need to respond with forgiveness today. As we close and Brad will join us, he's gonna play the piano and sing in just a moment. I wanna speak about the fruit of forgiveness. This here is the reason, if you didn't have a reason already to respond to the message of forgiveness, we can see here in this passage, the fruit of forgiveness. First of all, we see God's favour. And I want you to think back to those women for a moment in the centre of Egypt. I don't want this to become some prosperity gospel where we do one action and we get a Ferrari the next day and that's God's favour. That's not what those women saw. They were still widows. Their children were still orphans, but they knew the peace and presence of God in a way that meant they were able to serve those around them who they probably should have been full of hatred towards. 
That's the kind of favour I'm talking about. But in this case, for Joseph and his family, they saw a particular blessing upon them. Genesis 45, 25 to 26 says this. So they went up out of Egypt and they came to the land of Canaan to their father, Jacob. And they told him, Joseph is still alive and he is ruler over all the land of Egypt. You can see here that despite the way humanity got in the way of what God promised, remember early in Genesis to Abraham, Isaac and to Jacob, that there would be a land of many nations and then we have one after another, humans making stupid decisions. But God's plan prevails if we are willing to submit ourselves, turn from our wicked ways and repent. This is the fruit The second fruit I can see there is a renewed blessing. So not only God's favour, but He will renew His covenant. In Genesis 46, 2-3, And God spoke to Israel in visions of the night. He said, Jacob, Jacob. He said, here I am. And then God said, I'm God, the God of your father. Don't be afraid to go down to Egypt, for there I will make you a great nation. Here we see God reminding Abraham's offspring, I've got a plan for you. Yes, your sons might have screwed up pretty bad. (laughs) Yes, you thought you'd lost your son forever, but I'm gonna make you a great nation. Don't be afraid to come back in line with the will of God. And maybe some of you think, you know what, James, I've made too many big mistakes. God could not possibly forgive me. But I'd say today, run to the Father. He's here for you. He's got a plan for your life. In the same way that He said to Jacob, I'll make you a great nation. You can step back in line with the will of God today. And I can tell you as a testimony of my own life, that God will take the brokenness of your past and He will mould it into something beautiful for your future. The final fruit of forgiveness we see is so beautiful. It's redemption, it's restoration. This might be what some of you have come to church today feeling heavy hearted. Maybe you feel like the world has got you down. You've got a key relationship in your life that's fragmented and fractured and you don't know how to get it back on track. I'm not gonna say it's gonna be some magic wand and it'll happen overnight. But in this story, I can see powerfully forgiveness has the power to bring redemption. Genesis 50, 24, Joseph said to his brothers, right at the end of his life, I'm about to die, but God will visit you. He'll bring you up out of this land to the land that He swore to Abraham, to Isaac and to Jacob. We can see here the story complete. The narrative of Genesis comes to a close. When Jacob on his deathbed says to his brothers, God's got a plan for us. They're together. It's harmonious. It's beautiful. As I was sharing in the earlier service, I just had this word on my heart. Don't wait until you're on your deathbed to get things right. It's part of the journey of our role in vocational ministry that we spend more time with people at the end of their life than most. That's something you don't want to regret. 
Act now. Do it today. I shared a story that, uh, again, I'm not preaching down to you. I am as full of sin as the next one. I had a moment where I was working for another church, my previous church, and we went through a program called PeaceWise. And I'm sitting there with the rest of our staff thinking, oh yeah, you all really need to hear this. You know that one? Oh yes, I hope that person's listening. They've really got forgiveness issues. It took me hours. I reckon it was about four hours in before the Holy Spirit puts on my heart, yeah, what about them? What about that person in your life who you had that argument with four months ago and now they're not able to speak to you or your wife or your children? That's embarrassing. I'm being vulnerable. I initiated a conflict that caused a massive broken relationship in my family. Massive. For months. Part of that PeaceWise program, you sit there and you write this painstaking apology. <laughs> I think it's seven steps. They all start with A. Agonising should be the first one. No, it's like, it was tough. It was tough because I'm sitting there thinking, no, you wronged me. The whole time you wronged me. But it forces you to acknowledge your contribution to the conflict. And I did it. I wrote it. It was pages long and I sent it off. And again, I don't want to say the magic wand, but it was a bit like that for me. This thing that seemed irreparable was like a fog that lifted and in a moment the relationship was restored. And today... It's one of the most fruitful, beautiful relationships in my life. It actually still blows my mind. I can't give more details for obvious reasons because it's going to be pretty easy to figure out, but beautiful. So maybe that's the call to action today. But before we continue in a time of prayer, I wanted Brad to just sing over us. First of all, for those people who have a broken relationship with God. And I believe you know who you are already. You've been sitting here across this service thinking, Maybe those thoughts, I'm not good enough. God could never forgive me. God could never love me. I've done too much. I wanna say that God has got a plan for your life. I would love to welcome you. Maybe you're joining us online today. Maybe you're watching this service back in a few days time. That's the beauty of our God. He transcends space and time. And you wanna take the opportunity now that's in front of us to repent and turn from our sins and give our lives to God. So what I'd love to do is close your eyes wherever we are right now. And let's be aware of the presence of God. And I'd love to invite you, if you'd be so bold to raise your hand, give me a little wave to let me know that you are here today and you wanna make the decision to give your heart to God. We'll pause for a moment. Is there anyone in the room today that wants to make that decision to repent and give their life to Jesus today? Maybe you're online. Our chat team are there ready to pray with you. There's a little button if you're on the church online platform where you can respond and say, that's me, I wanna give my life to Jesus today. We'd love to pray with you. Is there anyone in the room here today? We had a few people across our 8am service, it was just beautiful. I can't see any hands, but I'll just wait a moment longer. I can see that hand, beautiful. Thank you for being so brave and so bold. Is there anyone else in the room today? Thank you, I see that hand, beautiful. Beautiful church, can we never grow weary or tired of this moment? People making a brave and a bold decision to give their lives to Jesus. 
Amazing. Why don't we all pray together? We're a family here. We're a family of faith. It's so important. You know that this decision isn't an isolated one. Following Jesus is not always easy. In fact, sometimes it's really not easy. You need help along the way. We're here to support you. So don't go this journey alone. We'll come to that in a moment, but let's pray and give our lives afresh to Jesus. Why don't we pray together? Dear Lord Jesus, as I come to you today, I'm aware of my sin and I'm aware of my shame, but I know that Your grace is greater. So today I give my life to You and I ask that You would help me to live a life like You. Forgive me of my sins and help me turn from my ways. In Your Name we pray, Amen. Amen. Isn't that beautiful? If you've responded online, thank you. I believe it's one of the most incredible decisions you'll ever make. We're just going to pause here for a moment and Brad is going to sing this song. uh, And I, I believe it'll do a work of reconciliation in your heart. And then I'll give us a few more instructions. Thanks, Brad. Triumphs over judgment Love wider than horizons Stronger than all sin Lord, your kindness Leads us to To the heart of God Your heart, oh God Lord, your mercy Leads us to repentance Love wider than horizons Stronger than all sin Lord, your mercy Oh, it leads us to repentance To the heart of God Your heart, oh God, is all I want. Oh, it's all I want. All to Jesus I surrender. All to Him I freely give I will ever love and trust Him In His presence daily live Oh, I'll all to Him, oh Jesus to Him I freely give I will live 
even trust him in his presence daily live Jesus I will ever love and trust you help me to surrender to you again today help me to give over that brokenness and that resentment maybe even those subconscious wounds that I carry that I don't even know I've got God I just get this word on my heart today that this is a tough one, but there are people who have a broken relationship with their father. I just see it clearly in my heart and you don't know how to let it go. That's obviously a deep, a deep wound. It's a deep hurt. It's a very special kind of deep hurt. Oh, I would just love you to, to, to seek the Lord today. If you need some help with that, our team at the front would love to pray with you. See someone after the service. The team are going to lead us in a beautiful moment of worship just now where you can get your heart right with God. But don't leave this moment. If that's you today, just take that opportunity to respond as you need. Do it in your own way. If you're able, I'd love to invite you to stand to your feet right now as we prepare to worship together. And the first song the team are about to sing here speaks more of that notion of surrender. Let's not leave this tender moment and just breeze on by. Do what you need to in your heart to surrender. If it means opening your hand, maybe it means kneeling, maybe it means coming forward to respond, to pray. Let's give our heart to Jesus again. Thanks again for listening to the New Life Podcast. If that stirred something within you or you'd like prayer, you can head to church.nu forward slash prayer or contact us through our Instagram or Facebook page. We pray that you have a great week. Be blessed.